Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram. I love that movie podcast, and we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is always free, but if you want to support us on there, you can. That's at patreon.com slash I love that movie. Basically, if you sign up, you get a bonus episode every week of my weekly roundup, and also we cover some stuff like WandaVision, Loki, The Mandalorian. Uh, now we're covering Marvel What If, and I have guests on there too. It's just everything that doesn't fall under the movie category will be on my Patreon. Um, and I do want to take a moment to thank my top patrons, and they are Chris Balga, Jeff Woodman, Philip Barker, and Michael Cross. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on. Um, and if you like what you hear today, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. Uh, I've got a returning guest with me here today. I've got Ty Larson. Say hi, Ty. Hi, Ty. <laughs> hey, and uh, our last episode that we did, it was... Mean Girls. Um, mean Girls. Yes. Okay, I almost said the movie that I also think of when I think of Mean Girls, which is Drop Dead Gorgeous, but Ugh. that predates it. And we talked a little bit about how there's some crossover with that. Yes. We did an episode on that as well, but that episode I did with Mitch. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Great movies, great episodes. Go listen to those. But Ty, if people haven't heard you on the podcast before, would you mind introducing yourself a little bit? Sure. My name is Ty Larson. I live here in Dallas. Um, I work as a graphic designer. Um, I also do drag every now and then as Deb Asheri of the House Divine. Um, yeah, that's that's about it. Just big old, big old nerd. <laughs> <laughs> you're in good company i'm a nerd as well as you know Heck yeah um yes and um so last time we talked about uh mean girls this time you selected a different film um and my guest always picks the movie what what movie did you choose to talk about today so i decided we'd go like in a whole different direction and do chitty chitty bang bang <laughs> Yes. Okay. So this came out in 1968 and I could not decide up until I watched it uh, if I had seen it before. I remember vividly seeing some of the musical numbers. I remember seeing the cover, but I watched it all the way through and I don't think I'd seen this before. Are you serious? How fun is that? You got to like really watch it for the first time. That's kind of cool. I think when you said this movie, my brain inserted bed knobs and broomsticks. Okay. And then when I went to look it up, I was like, different movie. <laughs> okay, like really funny and story. I was, like... I was actually <laughs> trying to watch a movie with a friend the other night and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was on the, um, 
oh, what was it? The Turner, Turner Classic Movie app. Um, and I just, my Roku did not want to play it. Um, so we ended up oh, watching no. Bedknobs and Broomsticks instead because it seemed like an appropriate substitute. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they, they have the same. I mean, the closest vibe it probably has is, you know, Mary Poppins. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, it really, I don't know, that jumped into my brain. Something about the British kids, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But <laughs> I was like. I I thought of that. And then when I watched it, as I watched it, I thought I have not seen this before, which, yeah, I really did enjoy it. Um, It was different from Mary Poppins and Bedknobs and Broomsticks Mm -hmm. (laughs) in terms of plot, but I liked it. When when did you first see this? Oh, my goodness. So my mom used to go out and just she would see like the new VHS movie on sale and would just pick it up. I don't remember the first time I watched it as a kid, but my sister and I used to watch it. Saturdays um, what we would do is we would go into my room and like push the mattress part way off the box spring um, and it would smush into my dresser and make like a little kind of like lean to and we'd squeeze ourselves between the mattress and the box spring and pull the sheet down so it was kind of like a little cave and we would watch Chitty Chitty Bang Bang Alice in Wonderland, um, Jumanji, Kiki's Delivery Service, like movies like that, and eat like an entire box of dry breakfast cereal. That was our Saturday mornings. (laughs) Well, that is extremely precious. (laughs) I love that. That is so cute. I know for sure, like, I have a close friend. I didn't text her yet. I need to text her. I I text her all the time about random movies when we're covering them. Cause I'm like, wait a minute. I know I watched this at your house and I don't know that I watched this at her house. Cause I couldn't remember it, but I feel like she really liked it. And that's the only tenuous, I guess, connection I have to it. I don't have a good story, but that is so sweet. I love that. That was like part of your rotation. Yeah, no, it was, so it was a lot of fun. We loved the music and like, The whole inventor thing was fun because we both were like super into science. Um, And then just like the the fantasy sequence, which is pretty much, you know, like the last most of the last part of the movie um, was a lot of fun. Um, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it was it was great. Like uh, and just the names are are wonderful. Um, I mean, it's it's based on an. uh, Oh, goodness. I lost the name. Is it Ian Fleming? Yes. Yes. James Bond. Uh So it's based on an Ian Fleming novel. Um, I believe he wrote it not too long before he passed away. Um, I think he was recovering from a heart attack and his wife took away his typewriter to try and keep him from working. So he wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang (laughs) in longhand, in longhand, like wrote it out with pen and it was just it was based on stories he used to tell his kids um and it was just kind of a fun little project he did before he passed away um while he was kind of bedridden um but yeah it's it's the same guy who did james bond and it was actually produced and directed by like the same teams that did the james bond films at the time um yeah, it's it's really wild. But I feel like you can see some of that. And I'm sure we'll talk about it, but you could see some of those connections in it, I feel like. You can. And it's 
who uh god uh what's the name uh is it robert or ronald doll ronald doll ronald doll ronald doll was the one who adapted the screenplay um which is actually where we get like the whole candy factory um and everything Mm -hmm. like that so like (laughs) it's just it's so interesting how all of these things kind of smush together to make this movie um and again there's like all the connections to to Mary Poppins as well. Like United Artists mm-hmm. really wanted to clone Mary Poppins success and dumped I... so much mo- money into this movie. Like this was a huge, huge budgeted movie. You can tell. I mean, and, you know, it's interesting you say that because I grew up thinking that this was a Disney film. Mm-hmm. And uh, up until like I went to look for it, I, I assumed it was going to be on Disney+. Plus. I literally had no idea about the history of this movie and so yeah you can really feel that disney influence in the music for sure um and in the look of the film i think you know even if you didn't enjoy the film it is beautiful to look at not saying i didn't but if you didn't you wouldn't be able to deny the fact that you can see like beautiful sets and beautiful costumes Mm -hmm. um you can definitely see all that in there it just doesn't have that animation like uh mary poppins did it's like all physically built sets um, but before we t- go too much further, I do want to warn everybody that we are going to talk spoilers. <laughs> so <laughs> if you haven't seen this movie, I suggest going and watching it and then you can come back. Um, but here is the synopsis for the film. While truant from school, young siblings, Jeremy and Jemima meet the beautiful, truly scrumptious who falls for their widowed father, uh, Caraticus Potts and his various oddball inventions, including the family's noisy, noisily rebuilt car, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. One day at the beach, uh, Caraticus tells Truly and the children a fanciful tale about the villain Baron Bomburst and his evil designs on the Potts family car. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Now it's, <laughs> but we'll dive in. The, the, the plot is very thin. <laughs> I was like, man, so much is happening in this movie. Yeah. Though, for that simple plot. They yeah. literally I mean, just they cram so much into it, but it's it's a lot of fun. And actually what you were saying, it it sounds like a Disney musical. Uh it's because they got the Sherman brothers to compose it. So the Sherman yes. brothers had just done the music for Mary Poppins. Um, I think they did music for a couple of the like rides at Disney, like it's a small world that was written by the Sherman brothers. Um, they've done oh, some okay, really okay. famous Disney tunes. So, I mean, they really wanted this to be a Disney movie that wasn't a Disney movie. Um, yeah, I, I get some sort of, I don't know, sick pleasure every time people escape <laughs> Disney and work on something else, even though I like Disney. And yeah. I did read this was their first non-Disney film to like feature their songs at all. So yeah. they had pretty much had them under lock and key somehow, and they got away to do this movie. <laughs> they got um, away from this one and then like went right back to Disney. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it pays yeah, <laughs> really exactly. well, I'm sure. Um, that was one of my quick facts. The other one that I had was that uh, while this was not a huge, while this is not a financial failure, uh, it did get generally negative reviews and lost money at the box office. It did, which is weird. Like, I think people look back on it much more fondly um, than it was received when it came out. Um, 
And a lot of the reviews, I think, just kind of skewered it because they said that there was nothing interesting in it for adults. Um, Interesting. I did see a review from, I think it was Ebert, and he said that it was really good and great for children, which I think is like a better way to, you know, compare films instead of being like, I mean, because kids are ultimately going to be the ones that watch it and enjoy it. Yeah. But I mean, there's there's some adult stuff in there, too, like things I didn't catch as a kid, which is, you know, like grandpa wasn't really traveling and he wasn't really going to his laboratory. He was he was going to the outhouse. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I that flew right over my head as a kid. And then just like the sexy little number that the Baroness is wearing. That part shocked me. It's <laughs> like, like, whoa. <laughs> so what's funny, I think when they did the actual like musical version of this that played at like Broadway and West End, they actually toned that down. Like the Baron wasn't always trying to kill the Baroness. So this is like the one time when like the movie is more violent <laughs> than the <laughs> than the Broadway show. Um, but no, yeah. like just like as a kid watching the Baron, like pulling his gun out as like the Baroness is floating up there using her dress as a parachute and like shooting at her. You're just kind of like, haha, that's funny. And then you watch it as an adult. And you're like, wow, they need therapy. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, that's in. It's really he's telling the story to children yeah <laughs> yeah and you had kind of mentioned this already but uh you know the screenplay was uh written by uh ronald Dahl, mm-hmm. um who had just recently written the screenplay for you only live twice um which was like the first bond film actually to deviate from fleming's book um so it's kind of interesting that he ended up doing this yeah and he added a lot of stuff to it like um I think the Chitty story didn't have like the story of Bulgaria and things like that. And like some of the names too, like truly scrumptious and things like that. They sound kind of like bond names. Oh, truly scrumptious sounds like that's a spot on bond name. I, I had no idea that. Yeah. Like honey rider and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when, when, you know, I, when I thought about her name, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then when I read this background, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> and wasn't there kind of some bad blood between Ronald and uh, Ken Hughes where he was saying like the screenplay wasn't good and he's kind of like pushed him out of the way. But then, I mean, ultimately all the stuff that he put in the screenplay is what they used in the movie. So unfortunately, like sometimes Ken Hughes just hated this entire project. He didn't like the movie that he made. He had never worked with kids before and didn't know how to work with kids. Um, so it was like Dick Van Dyke, Sally Ann Howes, um, Jeffrey or Lionel Jeffries and Benny Hill were like entertaining the kids in between scenes and like helping direct them <laughs> because he didn't know how he'd never worked with kids before. Yeah. It said he didn't like them. And I thought that's funny. That's kind of like in the movie, that guy that doesn't like kids. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the Baron <laughs> it's life imitating art, I guess. Yeah. That Benny Hill connection was really interesting to me. I was like, Oh, but I guess, you know, it's like, we forget when all these people were contemporaries, you mm-hmm. know, and they kind of become, I, I don't know, almost like larger than life. But I thought that was interesting too. Well, my- I think Dick Van Dyke even brought like Benny Hill in as a writer 
Like, I think he was going to do dialogue cleanup and then they ended up giving him a role. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, that like, how, how random is that? It's just, it, it has such yeah, a Yeah, like cool when I looked cast. at these names, I don't think Benny Hill <laughs> right off yeah. the top of my head. So that was cool. Yeah. And like um, Sally Ann Howes, I think she she was definitely not first choice. Um, they really wanted Julie Andrews for this. Um, they wanted to team up Dick Van Dyke and Julie Andrews again. Um, but Julie Andrews turned the role down because it was too much like Mary Poppins. <laughs> so they, they <laughs> literally got Sally because they saw that she took over for um, My Fair Lady after Julie Andrews had left the role in the West End. Mm. So they got, they got I really somebody. liked her in this movie. She was so good. Like this this was supposed to kind of revitalize her career. She had done television and a few films and then it kind of slowed down and she took this thinking this is going to catapult me and restart my career and it didn't. Uh it's so sad. There's so many talented people that that happens to. I, and she's so pretty and she's got that gorgeous voice. I mean, I think my favorite, favorite, favorite song in the movie is, um, what is it? Doll on a Box. Oh, yeah. Or Doll on a Music Box. And she just, she nailed that performance. So she she got it right the first time. They shot it in one take. Wow. Yes. There's a lot of impressive performances in this movie. Like a lot of the the dance numbers too are like they look extremely difficult. Yeah. They're like really fun to watch, but I'm like, oh, poor Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> no, this is this is the movie where he found out he had arthritis. Ugh. Because he was he was getting really tired from his dance numbers and he went to the doctor and the doctor was like, Oh, by the way, you've got arthritis. <laughs> Oh, and he was kind of young. Like I looked up their ages in the movie. Like he's, I think he's like 41 Mm -hmm. at the time that this was made, but I guess all that dancing (laughs) takes a toll. I did read that he was like having trouble, like you're kind of saying, keeping up with the other dancers. And he's like, they're like half my age. I can't do this anymore. (laughs) Yeah. God. He's just so fun to watch. He is. And the, the dance numbers are a lot of fun. Like the, um, the toot sweets number at the, yes. at the, um, the scrumptious candy factory, just, God, it was so much fun. And like the way they use the levels and like the, the carts, it was, mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun to watch as a kid, even though it's like, it's all kind of white and black and gray and the only colors from the candy, it's still, it was very like visually eye catching and appealing. Like, and it's just so well choreographed. It's, it's really, it's really cool. Like I love the musical numbers in this so much. Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in, in Mary Poppins, they rely a lot on, I mean, it's really cool, but like the animation mm-hmm. um, that's kind of blended in it is really fun to watch. And you're like, wow. But with this movie, it was like, like you're saying, it was like the sets and their costumes and the, the way they coordinated everything together just looked really cool. I was like, I don't know. That was what stood out to me. Some of the most, you know, was just how beautiful it looked. Yeah, no, it's, it's just gorgeous. You can tell they spent a lot of money on this. 
Like I know that's so disappointing that it. I feel like I feel like it's a little out of. It's a little wacky. Like it's wackier than Mary Poppins. Yeah, and I think maybe that's what people had a hard time with. But I I love the concept of uh, Dick Van Dyke as an inventor. I don't know. That made him like even more endearing, if that's possible. <laughs> but I just really loved it. And plus, weren't all the like the things that are built, uh, like the car and a lot of the other inventions, the guy that made them, he did a lot of stuff on the Bond films too, right? I don't know that he did stuff for other films. I know he was like, he was a, what do they call it? A kinetic artist. So he built like crazy machines. Oh. Um, and they, they oh, borrowed nice. some of okay. stuff Maybe that's what I'm for the movie. Yeah. I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. I think I was, I thought he had worked on uh, one of the Bond films too, but I, I, I'm probably misremembering that. I know have. they made like five chitty, chitty, bang, bang cars. Oh yeah. Like there's they, more than one. Mm-hmm. Cause I think Just there was it like, has to do so many things. <laughs> there was like the flying car, the junkyard car, um, the boat car. And I think there were, there were two that actually drove. And I think. Yeah. Cause doesn't. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I think, uh, and somebody had mentioned this in the, uh, I think on Facebook, um, that I think Peter Jackson, like, bought one of the cars and has them and, like, drove it around, like, possibly on the set of Lord of the Rings. I couldn't verify that for sure. No, (laughs) But it's rumored to have, at least. He did buy it. And because, um, because, you know, it's (laughs) old, it doesn't have a sound system. (laughs) <laughs> what they would do is they would take like a little Bluetooth speaker and they would have Chitty oh. Chitty Bang Bang, the song playing as they're driving around in the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang car. That's so what? cute. I feel like that's the mark of of something that's like maybe I don't I don't know how to put this, but like other artists can tell like how special this movie is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Peter Jackson being a big fan that kind of made a lot of sense to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, like especially where Peter Jackson is really big on special effects. Like you could kind of see how this, this might be like a film he watched when he was younger and was like, I want to make movies like this. I want to be able to do this. Like there's, it's just, it's cool stuff that they did. It really is. Like I noticed that in the film, like they, they do a lot of really ambitious things that it seems like they wouldn't be able to do yet <laughs> in during 1968. So that was pretty, pretty cool to watch. No, they make it look really good, especially like the, the projection and the blue screen techniques look mm-hmm. really, really clean, especially compared to like some of the, the Mary Poppins special effects from just a few years before, like, yeah it looks it looks really good you can only kind of tell around like the kid's hair and that's that's about it that it's like a projection they they did a really good job like with the lighting and the the color and just blending everything together it it looks it looks good yeah i completely agree i think some of that uh has to do with uh john steers who is apparently called the dean of special effects uh he made like James Bond's Aston Martin DB5, Luke Skywalker's Landspeeder, oh. uh, the lightsaber. So, you know, having that guy on your film is going to make it look good, I'm sure. That's so awesome. <laughs> I know. It's like, I was like, oh, wow. It's, I, I love that, too, when it's such a different, like, genre. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, 
you don't think of this movie when you think about like him going on to do Star Wars, you know, so that's really cool. No, this was, it was that. just it was kind of a weird team that they put together for a, a funny little film based on kind of like a, a weird novel that like was again out of the ordinary for the author like yeah chitty chitty bang bang is (laughs) is a movie of like contradictions (laughs) yeah and it has like kind of a sad backstory like i had read like you were saying that he wrote it after a heart attack but that his son was like you're not paying attention to me And so he like wrote this book and then he died Mm -hmm. and that really hurt his son. And then his son ended up like committing suicide later. Oh my gosh. So it's like horribly tragic. And then also on top of all that, you know, because of how this happened, you know, Fleming never got to see the book made. Mm -hmm. He had no idea that there's like a movie, you know, so it's like, that's really sad, but it's such a cheerful, happy thing to come out of that, you know? Well, it's definitely not like the first thing you think of when you think of the movie. That was more of like a shocking fact that I read while I was well, even, looking stuff up about even it. Even like some of the actors don't look back on it very well. Like uh, Heather Ripley, who played Jemima. Um, so her mother came with her to film and I think they filmed for like 14 months. So a little over a year. And in that time, her father had an affair um, and the parents ended up divorcing and the Heather ended up pretty much blaming the movie for ruining her life. How weird. Yeah. And <laughs> just kind of like tried to distance herself from it from a very, very, very long time. Hmm. I wonder if that had something to do with like the era too, because I'm sure divorce was so much more taboo back then. Maybe yeah. it's just, I don't know. Oh, it was the sixties. The sixties were pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the 60s were pretty crazy that is true <laughs> well so okay from here i'm thinking do you want to talk about any of your favorite scenes from the movie oh my god we kind of touched on some of them but yeah there's a lot let's of them, go so. for it because like i love any scene with robert helpman as the child catcher right <laughs> like, oh yeah wasn't he like a ballet person like yes he did ballet he was a ballet dancer that was his background and they got him you know so that he could do these dances because he's very very light on his feet you see how he like walks on his toes and just like those jumps and the turns that he he does are just magnificent but he's so good at playing just this despicable character like i mean the the baron and baroness are pretty deplorable but like the child catcher is just gross. You love to hate yeah, him. Yeah, he's creepy. <laughs> but he's such a nice guy. He was he was one of the ones who would help like take care of the kids in between takes. And they said sometimes it was hard to get the kids to like look at him with like a straight face or like give scared <laughs> reactions because all I, they could think about were the funny impressions he did like when the camera wasn't rolling. And I Aww. just I love that like what a what a cool dude to like try and make the kids feel comfortable around him and not just be like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna scare these kids and they're gonna be you know like terrified of me but i mean yeah not go method good (laughs) evil guy though like i i love every scene with child catcher in it (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I liked when he finally caught them in that like really complicated thing that cart. Yes. That he like pulled that string and I was like, oh, that's neat looking. Like again, there was a lot of little things like that that I thought were really interesting how they would you know, they were practical effects that looked really good. Yeah, I mean that was like a bond trap all in its own. <laughs> it really was. Like I didn't know that watching this movie, but then when I read that, I was like Okay, that's making so much make sense now. <laughs> yeah. But no, I think like even the child catcher, I think, was one of Ronald Dahl's um, additions. Yeah. And he felt kind of Bond-esque. Yeah. Or or even like, I mean, <laughs> it also kind of reminded me of like uh, in the Batman 66 show, like all the like wacky villains. Yes. Um, it kind of just reminded me of that a little bit, but it was like, you know, he's telling at this point in the movie, he's telling like a fun story. And so, yeah, all these characters kind of make sense within the context of that. Yeah. No, that was, that was a great scene. Um, well, those were great scenes. And then, um, the doll in a music box scene when they infiltrate, (laughs) when they infiltrate the Baron's birthday party. Um, and we have oh, yeah. truly posing as this like automaton doll on top of a music box. And just the song she sings is so pretty, but also kind of haunting because she's yes. thinking about being like a, a person cursed to be a doll on this music box until it's broken by true love's first kiss. And then we're introduced to Dick Van Dyke, who is disguised as like a um, kind of a marionette doll. Yeah. And he's, you know, goofy acting and stuff until he discovers like the the music box doll. And then we get her doing the song for the second time. But he does a reprise of Truly Scrumptious because he finally realizes that he's in love with her. And he's not been very nice to her throughout the entire movie. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, Professor Potts singing this. He's not in the character of his, like, doll anymore as truly is singing. And it's just, it's, uh, they did such a good job. Like, it was such a great little mashup. Like, I, I love it. And it's so well choreographed. It's beautiful. That was probably my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. This scene. So I agree. And. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. You know, it's really different from, you know, it's hard not to compare this to Mary Poppins because they clearly wanted to, right? Yes. Uh, but he's so different from Bert, you know, because now he's sort of this like more introverted uh, kind of weirdo that makes inventions. Like, I don't know. I vibed with him more, I think, in this movie. Yeah. And uh, he, I think it just it almost like doesn't even occur to him that she, that she could even be remotely interested. So I think that's where a lot of his disdain comes from early on in the film is he's kind of like, oh, here's this rich lady that, you know, I can't connect with ever. It's impossible. And then she's so kind the whole movie just repeatedly until she finally like he finally lets her in, you know, and then he realizes like how wonderful she is. Well, it's kind of, it's cute because truly falls in love with the kids before she falls in love with Caractus. Yeah. Caraticus. I know. I'm like, (laughs) as I was reading the synopsis, I was scared to say his name out loud. (laughs) It just rolls off their tongue when they say it. But for me, I, 
yeah, yeah. it was harder. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that. That kind of reminded me a little bit because I had recently done uh, the Apple Dumpling Gang. Uh-huh. And I saw some parallels there, too, with like, you know, a single guy that ends up with two kids somehow you know in this one it's his kids i'm assuming but um in the other one it's like a guy ends up with two kids and then a woman comes in the picture and she like wants to help with the kids first yeah before him and it, it, that is kind of a sweet and really different take because like normally when you think of like i guess like blended families it's usually the other way around you know they get together and then the kids have to accept it but there is something interesting about um including the vantage point of the kids to where the kids are that active in this decision they're like we like her <laughs> like pick her you know I, think, I thought that was pretty cute i think part of it is it's just kind of a trope that's not in vogue anymore because it's very like yeah. you know the the woman is the the mother figure so of course she's attracted to the children first because oh no they don't have a mother um yeah and now i think it's more like you know oh it's um single dad is going out he's trying to date again and they form a relationship <laughs> and then it's uh-oh now time to meet the kids that's that's very true and i did notice in the movie he's like there's one thing i can't give them what they need and i was thinking yeah you can <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but i'm thinking like 2021 like yeah yeah i think dads are more involved these days uh, and, and <laughs> in grandpa, children's lives grandpa could have been helping out too because grandpa didn't do anything <laughs> grandpa's like one step away from the willy wonka grandpa i mean <laughs> pretty pretty much like he, <laughs> he's like he's kind of a terrible grandpa and he's kind of a terrible dad like he's not he's not very nice to karatikus and i mean he likes the kids but he doesn't really do anything for them <laughs> He's like, that's not my job. Yeah. And, it, and like, they're his grandkids, right? I it mean, it takes him getting children. kidnapped <laughs> and then <laughs> hanging out with a bunch of old scientists who've been trapped in a dungeon for 40 years to finally be like, oh, you know what? Maybe my son is a decent person. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Like, what did he do to deserve that? I don't <laughs> Nothing. know. <laughs> I'm like, it's, again, I can't help but keep saying it. I'm like, it's Dick Van Dyke. He's like, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Should be like the perfect son. <laughs> it's hard for me not to like, like I said, I, I almost feel like Dick Van Dyke could float a whole movie for me just because growing <laughs> up with, you know, Mary Poppins and like the Dick Van Dyke show, I actually watched a lot because it was on Nick at Night and it's one of like the earliest, I guess, sitcoms that I watch. I mean, obviously like during that time you know full house came out and i was watching current stuff too yeah but i happened to watch this a lot and i just loved him you know uh, there's just something really infectious about him so i'm like i feel like he could float a whole movie so yeah his dad or his the grandpa character not liking him seems unbelievable to me <laughs> so wait a second like you're a huge dick van dyke fan and you hadn't seen this movie like isn't that weird in fact i'm so far removed from this film and i hadn't even thought about it in so long that when I started watching it, I was like, Oh good. Dick Van Dyke's in it. <laughs> like I really had no idea. There's so many movies out there. That's my only defense. So no, like, <laughs> but that's, yeah, I, I just am, had to see it. <laughs> I'm so glad it, that we ended up doing this one so that you could watch yes. it. Like I 
I love it when I can watch a movie with a person the first time. And even though we didn't really watch it together, it kind of feels like we did. So like, yeah, no, it does. That's like, and it such was a special warm thing. fuzzies. <laughs> yeah. It made me realize that, you know, that I hadn't watched that show in a while that I hadn't watched him in a while. It made me want to watch Mary Poppins again. And yeah, it definitely, even though I didn't grow up watching this film, it gave me a lot of nostalgia just seeing it. And I keep focusing on him because, to be honest, he's the one that I recognize the most out of the cast. I mean, he, <laughs> just because I'm not as familiar with the rest of the cast. He carries a lot of that film on his shoulders. He does. I mean, he's like, in like almost every scene. That's another thing that, again, dramatically different from uh, Mary Poppins. And that could yeah. also be because they couldn't get Julie Andrews. Maybe they pivoted and said, OK, we're going to have to lean more on, on Dick Van Dyke then. Well, they couldn't get Julie Andrews and then they they really didn't utilize the kids a lot. Um, I noticed that, too. They seemed a little bit almost like they didn't have to be there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They were like, well, I guess I guess we'll put kids in this for, you know, just for fun. But (laughs) like, yeah, I think for so that children could like have somebody to look to maybe. But yeah, they didn't do a lot. You're right. Because I mean, like almost almost our point of view character was truly because she's like the new Mm -hmm. one in the situation so we're kind of looking at it from her eyes and that's how we're getting to know like caractacus and the kids and grandpa because it's like only after she meets them do we really get to like actually know them you know yeah. And then she she kind of like pushes to to help with his inventions and like get the meeting with her father to get the the toot sweets made and in production and like she's she's a really cool character and I really like Sally Ann Howes. Like I it makes me so sad that she really didn't do that much after this cuz again she has a beautiful voice. Like Yeah. And she looks incredible too. Like, I mean, I don't know. She, she definitely has that like star quality that you would think she would have a long career to like have the full package. Yeah, no. And just, she's, she's so much fun. She's, she can be like silly and flustered, but then like very caring, all like smushed together. Like, yeah, she puts together a very, very dimensional character um instead of playing it kind of kind of flat which is i think what happens sometimes when people who mainly do theater kind of move into film um mm-hmm. they're used to like playing, they have like, trouble with subtlety yeah they're playing like one character so big so that the people in the back of the balcony can can see it that they lose some of that nuance um and she really she did a great job bringing truly to life on the screen like i i loved it yeah i agree and then i know i keep saying this but i really liked her dresses too oh no <laughs> like they I were kept, super I cute and the hats yes oh man i loved the hats too yeah i'm always gonna notice stuff like that in movies so no, i loved all their outfits i felt like i almost felt like this movie maybe was almost too for theater people does that make sense like if you appreciate theater and performance, you're more invested than like an average viewer would be almost. Maybe I could totally see that. Like for adults. Yes. Like for kids, I think it's just, 
kind of a goofy, fun. I mean, it's it's a long movie. It's a long movie for a kid to sit through. Oh, yeah. It mean, has a an intermission. That yeah. part surprised me. I was like, wait, what? I was like, intermission? I mean, it's, oh, it's almost that's, three that's, hours long. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, it's at least two and a half hours. But yeah, when, when it came up to the intermission time, I was like, oh, so this is like a real musical, like a legit older, you know, long film where there's an intermission. I haven't seen one of those in a while. I love how they did like almost a James Bond thing where like the intermission was a cliffhanger. (laughs) Like like almost a literal (laughs) cliffhanger. Wink, wink. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like time for a little break. Yeah. Go get some popcorn and some soda from the lobby. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, that makes me miss doing stuff like that. I've done it a little bit in the past couple of months, but not a lot. Um. Yeah, it, it did make me miss like seeing musicals live too, because yes. I feel like this movie has that quality where it's like, I mean, it's definitely you know a movie, and um, you know, you talked about the acting is uh, more layered than just than a performance that's from far away. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, there was something about it that like really, like I said, I felt like all the the detail and the costumes and the sets and everything it really like reminded me of that experience a lot more. Oh yeah. No, like I can, I can see why they, they definitely wanted to bring this to Broadway and the West. End yeah. Because I mean, it, it has all of the makings just throwing a few more songs and bada bing, bada boom. Like it's, it's got all the ups and downs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, sometimes the scenes really feel like, they're for the songs in a way, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like the songs are the main feature and the scenes kind of like when you were saying like the plots a little bit, like mm, it's like, it is kind of more focused on those big visual moments it, than it, the it other stuff, which like, lends itself to musical. Yeah. <laughs> the Sherman brothers looked at an outline, wrote the music and then they were like, okay, we're going to write, some story around <laughs> this incredible <laughs> music because it's it's a lot of fun like i don't i don't know if they're as memorable as like some disney songs but dang they're catchy like um toot sweets is just fun and it's it's kind of easy to sing it's not a very hard song um and it's just kind of silly you know toot sweets <laughs> <laughs> yeah um <laughs> goodness and then uh like chitty chitty bang bang is fun to sing my sister and i used to run around singing that and we'd be in the car singing it um, i swear this is why i thought it was disney i swear that it was on some kind of sing-along vhs that i had <laughs> but it i guess it can't be do you remember those like old disney like yes. sing-along videos I had like a ton of them. I can't, my poor parents, I'm sure I drove them insane, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I would like a lot of those uh, songs that I would sing to myself. Uh, Cause I'm an only child. Um, <laughs> I, you know, didn't even have the movies. Like that was the closest to seeing some of the films oh, wow. that I got. Yeah. Cause you know, the, the Disney vaults always been a thing. Mm-hmm. So like they didn't have all their movies on, on VHS. And so I would uh, sing all the songs and I, I really thought this movie had some songs like that, unless I had another V like an off brand or like if United artists came out with their own, like rival <laughs> sing along, which is possible, but man, 
I just miss stuff like that. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I could sit around and sing all day, but I don't know how Nick would feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'll figure out how I saw this movie if I saw it someday. It, it's, <laughs> it's a mystery deep within the recesses of your mind, somewhere <laughs> yeah, in Bulgaria. Yes, yes, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Oh my god! Oh, and then that. Speaking of that, that's also just such a fun scene that um you're my little chuchi face oh yeah <laughs> it's it's just so weird so like if you haven't seen the movie like the baron does not like the baroness like he does not want to be married to her anymore but i guess they can't get divorced so he's constantly trying to kill her um <laughs> and she is just oblivious to it she just I guess she just assumes it's a bunch of silly accidents. So she's like <laughs> flouncing around in braided pigtails and like lingerie. Yeah. <laughs> and heels That's what I was saying. I was surprised at that part. <laughs> singing this song about like pet names as like he's dropping chandeliers and trying to like hit her with an axe and like sending her down a <laughs> trap door. And it, it, as a kid, you just think it's funny because you're like, hee hee, chuchy face. <laughs> and then you're an adult and you're like, oh, well, she's wearing like, actually, that's kind of a cute little corset. Um, yeah, it was like, it was a cute outfit. It was a really cute <laughs> outfit. It, it, it just seemed kind of out of left field for like a kid's movie then. I mean, now I feel like it wouldn't be as big of a deal. But yeah. just for the time, I, I thought it was surprising. <laughs> And it's, just, it's so funny. And they're just singing these nonsensical lyrics like, You're my little chuchy face. My oochie oochie chuchy little chuchy face. Like, what even is that? <laughs> yeah, that one didn't have a ton of lyrics. <laughs> no, it was just it was just silliness. But I yeah, the, again, the whole fantasy part of the movie was a bunch of fun. And I guess... I guess it wasn't even supposed to be fantasy. It was supposed to be like played straight. Like that actually happened. And it was a last minute editing decision to turn it into a fantasy. Mm, okay. So they, they added in kind of like some, some extra sound snippets and like a few effects to make it look, you know, kind of like a dream thing. Mm -hmm. And that's how it turned into the story. Cause in the, in the book, you know, all like not that exact same stuff, but a similar situation happened. And we find out that, you know, like chitty, chitty, bang, bang is alive. Um, and I guess they decided that, you know, that was just going to be too much, even though they were, you know, trying to copy a movie about a nanny that flies around. Yeah, I was going to say, you know? when you really think about Mary Poppins, it doesn't make a lot of sense either. <laughs> But I guess, like, because it's so ingrained in, like, American culture at this point, and, and, and British culture, obviously, but yeah, uh, because it's so ingrained for us in pop culture, it's like, we just accept it. Yeah. You know, there's also a part of the movie where they jump into chalk drawings, and, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, you're just like, okay, <laughs> like, but, um, yeah, it's funny when you watch something else that kind of has those same elements, I guess, I can see why they're like, oh, that's too strange, but it's really not I, it's all kind of relative i guess <laughs> yeah no it's i don't know i just this movie like watching it again recently just brought back so many memories like i 
I thought I had it on DVD and I, I couldn't find it. So I don't know if my sister stole it, um, which is possible. <laughs> Ashley, if you're listening to this, I'm on to you. Um, <laughs> but That'll be the cliffhanger of this episode. Exactly. Get that DVD back. <laughs> no, I, I ended up, I bought it on Blu-ray so that I'd have it and I wouldn't have to. Oh, nice. Did you get it on like on Amazon or how did you? I got it from Barnes and Noble. um, Oh, wow. Because Barnes and Noble was also the only place that had Summer Wars for not like $70. (laughs) So, yeah. So, um, you know, uh, a a little tangent here. Ty and I went back and forth. This is like our third movie choice. (laughs) Yes. Because you just happen to pick movie, And this is something that's happening in streaming right now. I mean, it's been a problem since streaming started, yeah. I feel like. is used to just go buy a DVD. Somebody got the rights to it. You go get it. Now it's hard to find stuff. Like I couldn't find the stream. I couldn't even find. I, I rented Chitty Chitty Bang Bang mm-hmm. for three ninety nine, But um, the other movies I couldn't even find. I was really surprised. It, it feels like that happens a lot with anime, though. Yeah. It's like all of a sudden it's gone forever. And you're like, what? No. What? Like when you try to recommend something to someone and you're and they're like, well, how do I watch it? And I'm like um spend thirty dollars and hope that you like it <laughs> pretty much and it's weird because you know. summer wars was such a big title for funimation and i don't even think it's on their site that's so strange yeah i don't think i and i don't have the funimation streaming service so that that could be part of it um i think i have Crunchyroll, mm-hmm. and then you know like hulu and netflix and then of course like you know itunes but yeah. um it was on Vudu, I think, but then when I went to try to rent it, it went, you can't rent this on Apple. And I was like, what? It's so complicated. I don't, I don't understand. I don't, but, I don't yeah. get it either, but I'm like, I had that one on Blu-ray two at one point and I have not been able to find it. So I was like, well, I'll just get it again. And then on Amazon, okay. it's like $70 for the Blu-ray. And I was like, yeah. well, maybe not. And then I found Barnes and Noble has a bunch of kind of like hard to find blu-rays and dvds for really good prices okay. so if you guys are having trouble that. finding movies go to barnes and noble maybe it's because nobody buys stuff at barnes and noble anymore um so they just have it sitting <laughs> there i don't know <laughs> my gosh yeah see if we had more time i would have like tried harder you know to find it and like um with um i can't remember what movie it was but there's even been times where guests like send me movies because they're like, I want you to cover this. And they just mail it to me. Or I go buy it, you know, and, and look around. I went to a movie trading company and they didn't have it there. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think yeah, it was it's just, interesting. It was, but I'm going to keep that tip in my back pocket. That's really. That's I think it really was cool. a limited release. But, mm. well, you might just have to come over and watch it. And we'll. Yeah, we'll there you go. Night. That's the that's that's another option for sure. For sure. <laughs> again i told that would be fun i never get to do that so that would be fun movies are such a fun way to connect with people it's kind of like 100 percent. like you find something that you really enjoy and then you get to share it with somebody and even if they don't love it you still got to spend time with that person Mm -hmm. and like it's it's just such a special connection and then like that's always that's always a way to bring up like a memory like oh man, do you remember that time that we watched Chitty Chitty Bang Bang together? And then we had like a popcorn <laughs> fight. And then afterwards my roommate got home like super wasted. Like, you know, it's <laughs> it's just, it's such a cool way to like connect. And then again, if like somebody loves the movie that you shared with them, like that's just, 
another thing that y'all have in common. Like movies, 100%. movies are super cool like that. I I completely agree. And and you feel like you're in this like exclusive club sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like I've seen that. Yeah, especially when <laughs> it's, it's like, like sometimes not everyone's seen it. <laughs> Yeah, and I love yeah, I like I said, I love that. Like I think I think now that I'm thinking about it, I think it was like Marcus. It might have been Pump Up the Volume. I don't remember. But he sent me a he sent me a movie. It just arrived in the mail where he's like, Can I get your address? I'm like, okay. And then he sent it and he's like, Okay, this is what we're gonna talk about. And I'm like, I love your drive here. <laughs> like like you didn't ask, you just sent it and you're like, This is what we're doing. And I was like, one okay, let's do it. And it was a fun episode. So yeah, yeah, that would be cool. When you asked to do this um, one, I was like, it's it's summer and I wanted to do like kind of summery feeling movies. And like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang just has, I mean, they they spend time at the beach. Oh I yeah, mean, the, yeah. The kids are being truant from school, but they're they're home, so it feels like summer break. <laughs> and honestly, like, you know, with everything that's going on right now and the news is just, you know. Terrible. just constant bad news and it, w- it was just nice to like take a break and watch something that's like joyful for two and a half hours you know yeah kind of just so. a, take a breath and lose yourself in something kind of just nonsensical and and fun and later you find yourself humming it and maybe taking your mind off of stuff for just a little bit longer i was going to mention the other way that i remember this movie is because of <laughs> specifically because of that scene in ace ventura 2 when he sings chitty chitty bang bang in the car (laughs) (laughs) like i started singing it that way to nick he's like what he's like i don't even know what the song is and i say it like (laughs) like ace like jim carrey and then he was like what are you talking about? and i he and as i sang it to him he's like okay now i remember that scene and then i played the scene for him on youtube that is amazing. and then i played the real song for him after that but yeah i just think of i think of jim carrey singing it <laughs> like the, and it's pretty similar like i feel like he 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 makes like dick van dyke faces as he's doing it too so it's i don't know it's funny actually now that i think about it they do look kind of similar too <laughs> yeah he could have there's there's some alternate universe where he could have you know had a version of this but i don't know but yeah i always think of that scene in the movie it's like impossible because <laughs> i don't not think of him singing it <laughs> the cultural impact of jitty jitty bang bang <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's widespread <laughs> for sure um were there any other scenes that we haven't touched on yet that you wanted to to chat through oh my goodness um i think those are like the big ones i love you know the the whole uh, thing at the candy factory that was a lot of fun i talked about that um yeah did did you have any other than maybe like the the doll on a music box what do you say like your your second favorite scene was i think the number that he does with the one that was like very difficult with the pull <gasps> oh um, the old bamboo yeah yeah that was that was a really that was like fun to watch, you know, it kind of reminded me of like watching um, like singing in the rain or something, you know, just where you see a, a musical number where you're like, that looks really tough and impressive. Yes. And like, if you watch it closely, you can see that his kicks aren't quite as high as everybody else. But again, <laughs> yeah, he's are, like in pain. <laughs> he's like doing this as a as a 40 something. And they're all like, probably between 19 and 22. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I sympathize with that. I mean, you know, I've never danced like that. But even if I just do like, I don't know, a workout DVD or something, mm -hmm. and they do like a million burpees, I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> I physically can't. There's a there's a point where you stop being able to to do some of that stuff, I think. <laughs> um, the other thing that I wanted to mention was uh, to talk a little bit about the car again, because I feel like I glossed over that or I couldn't remember the name of the guy. So I'm going to pull that up really quick. Uh, the fictional character of inventor Craticus Potts was reminiscent of Rowan Emmett, who worked on the technical aspects of the film, and it uh, drew cartoons for Punch Magazine in the 40s and 50s and rose to fame in the 51 Festival of Britain, where he created a real-life version of his cartoon, Far Teetering in Oyster Creek Railway. The miniature railway was ridden by more than 2 million people at Battersea Park that year, and his 1973-powered musical clock, the Aqua Horological tinnabulator <laughs> can still be seen in Nottingham and for the film he designed a series of machines including the humbug major sweet machine clock clockwork lullaby the little dragon carpet sweeper and hot rocket hot air rocking chair you know so, <laughs> so he he made a bunch of crazy stuff and, I think that's who I was thinking of yeah. earlier and I was talking about when you mentioned yeah car. that's who I was thinking I was, of. yeah you I I think I think so that's why I was like I want to come back to that because yes. I remember yeah, and then uh, one of the most memorable things is the breakfast robot. <gasps> yes, um, the, which, the sausage yeah. eggs. <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah, I don't know. That was fun. Um, but I wanted to go back and talk about him since he kind of inspired the character and also made, you know, the stuff in the film. So And then it was... It was like working stuff, kind of. Ken Adam did close. the car. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we figured it out. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, when you're like, it, it's in the moment, you're like, I had notes somewhere. Somewhere. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I edit for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure that we have it in there. Um, but yeah, I, I think those were the biggest, the highlights of the film for sure. But I, I enjoyed watching it. You know, I kind of look, try to look for some behind the scenes stuff and I didn't find a ton, but I did find a lot of articles written about it. So there's a lot of a lot of stuff out there about, you know, some fun facts and things like that. If you want to hear more about the film, um, this brings me to my last couple of questions. Then number one, if you could sum up what we've been talking about, um, what is it about this movie that keeps you coming back to it? The big thing is nostalgia. Like mm. you watch this movie and it just, it takes you right back to being a kid playing playing make-believe um just kind of you know running wild and having having fun um and just the the music is is really great and really fun and easy to connect to yeah i think well as someone that like absolutely loves mary poppins <laughs> and i really like bed knobs and broomsticks too i actually i tried to watch that as an adult and it's a little it's a little long like some of the scenes are a little long, but anyway, that era of watching stuff like that, this reminds me of that a lot. Yeah. So, um, you know, and it, and it's, it really, I kept thinking watching it that it reminds me of like the kind of movie I would put on if I was having like a bad day. Um, you know, I, I have said before on the podcast that I like to watch like, uh, gentlemen prefer blondes and you know, singing in the rain, stuff like yeah. that. It's like, okay, I'm having a bad day. I want to just, be inundated with like happiness and music and dancing. Um, and, and I feel like this is a movie that kind of, that does that. Um, 
Now, how do you pitch this to someone that hasn't seen it before, though? Ooh, how would I pitch it to somebody who's never seen it? Um, I would just say, do you want to see like a crazy, awesome, big budget musical film based on a book written by the guy who wrote all of the Bond novels, adapted into a screenplay <laughs> by the guy who wrote Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the BFD, oh, that's right, yeah, um, and the Witches, <laughs> starring. Dick Van Dyke, Benny Hill, <laughs> you know, like just the, the talent is just immense. I mean, the, the directors in production were notable on their own, but I, I really think the, the heart of this movie is, is the music and, mm-hmm. and the actors and just the, the writing team that made it so fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't sell it better than that. (laughs) So, um, you know, a few years ago, I remember I had a friend that, uh, was saying he showed him like, um, a parody of a Mary Poppins trailer and it was like called scary Mary and someone had edited it to look scary. Uh And then his, after he played it, he, he's like, isn't that funny? And his brother was like, I don't get it. (laughs) And he was like, he realized he had never seen Mary Poppins. (gasps) Oh my God. And so he was just like, okay, scary trailer. Okay. You know, and he was like, oh my gosh. And so, you know, for a while, I feel like movies like this or like Mary Poppins, they kind of fell out of vogue, I guess. Like kids weren't necessarily watching it the way that we did growing up. Um, But, you know, they did make that sequel that it didn't do great, but I bet it still got a lot of people interested in that older movie again. Mm -hmm. So that's good. But yeah, you know, if you're interested in something like that, then this is like another film from around that time that you could watch. So that would be my pitch. Yes. (laughs) That was my long pitch. Um, Well, Ty, thank you so much for coming back on and for talking about this movie. Uh, Thank you for introducing me to the movie and, and, (laughs) you know, teaching me so much about it. I really appreciate it. And uh, where where can people find you? Um, They can find me on Twitter uh, at deadly blonde and there's an e at the end of that um that's kind of bondish have you ever thought about that just, just a little bit just James a little bondish. Bit. <laughs> or also instagram it's at the deadly blonde no e at the end of it for that one <laughs> awesome well thanks again for coming on and hope to have you back soon definitely thank you for having me these are always a lot of fun